0: Hey, folks, what's going on? So I'm here on a Monday evening, and I forgot that it gets dark so early, all right? And I'm basically here recording a live podcast and live Instagram at the same time. So I've got my selfie light here. I've got my my night sleep glasses on here, right, which uh, someone on Instagram called... Elton John glasses, yeah? They said Elton John would be proud of you (laughs) with the uh, orange-amber ting uh, on the glasses. But yeah, um, uh, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body Podcast anyway, and welcome to all my followers. Um, Yeah, going to get on these Instagram Lives more. And basically, what I'm going to do today, my friends, right, is I'm going to be talking about, uh, by the way, if you're watching this on Instagram Live now, then you have to go follow and subscribe to this podcast, right, on Spotify, on iTunes, on all platforms, right? Optimize Your Body podcast. You've been sleeping under a rock if you haven't been listening to it, so go check it out. And likewise, anyone listening back to the podcast, um, basically, make sure you go and check me out on Instagram, right? Because I'm going to be doing some live content there and there's some valuable stuff over there. So anyway, let's get stuck in. What's going on, Kerry? Uh, My girlfriend, okay, I've got my my client and my girlfriend here. Great, there's three of us, fantastic. (laughs) All good, a bit of pressure's on now. Um, but yeah, basically, I wanted to do um I had some questions from my audience, so I just wanted to basically jump on and uh, and answer them basically right Now I've had quite a few people write in so thank you for the uh, for helping me out with this. And normally with this podcast, I just talk about one topic yeah Now the first thing Janini's on the line here. is Janini's still there? Yeah, so my girlfriend Janini, right? the first question I'm gonna get into, ladies and gents, right is uh, someone asked me, I saw your post about your girlfriend meeting your girlfriend in the gym. And when you approached her, what was your opening line, right? That's what someone asked me. And to be honest, it was just, I don't really have an opening line, right? So for me, it's just like, approach. I approached her. I said, hello. And you can ask her, right? I went straight in for the kill. No time wasted, okay? Okay. People don't want small talk. Most people hate dating apps anyway, right? All the small talk. Hey, how's your day been? Yeah, what do you do for work? It's all boring. So just get straight in there. So, so I just said to her, uh, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Where are you from? Brazil. Okay, fantastic. Um, you want Instagram? Yeah, boom. Got the Instagram. And then, uh, yeah. And then the rest is history, right? I kept it really, really simple. So a guy <laughs> asked me that, right? So I wanted to answer that one first. And uh, there's, no, there's no method. There's no opening line. Uh, it was just, Hey, how you doing? Let me have your Instagram. Uh, I know I got lucky with that one anyway. Uh, but I can't really see with this selfie light, right? So bear with me. All right. So basically, uh, the next question then, right? We're going to get into some health and fitness stuff. Um, and basically feel free to, uh, to give me any feedback in the chat as well. Uh, I've got someone trying to enter my zoom call now, which is weird. One of my, uh, one of my clients. I think he's got the day wrong. Uh, what day is this now? This is like Monday. What's going on here? Anyway, uh, let's get stuck in. Right. So basically, what day is it now? It's Monday at 7, 7 p.m. Okay, yeah, I don't know what he's doing there. Anyway, so let's go. So basically, the first question I've got is, um, I've been training for a while. I've noticed I hit a plateau, right? How do I break through this? Now, with a plateau, they come and they go, basically, right? It's inevitable you are going to be seeing a plateau in terms of your body and stuff with training. So, you know, the best way to break through a plateau is first and foremost, you gotta, you got to ask yourself why, why you've hit a plateau, and really with your training, you know, you should be following a proper training program, right? So if you're just doing a bunch of random workouts and just doing your own thing, you are going to get continuous plateaus. Um, But if you want to make continuous progress with your physique and your strength, really, you should be switching up what you're doing. You should, you should have a, you know, you should be phasing your training. So like, let's say every four to six weeks, you change the rep range. So the ideal thing to do is to f- is to stick to one type of training. So strength training, for example, heavy lifting, one to six reps, let's say. Um, Lifting hard and heavy, do that for four weeks, yeah? And then switch it up. Four or five weeks later, switch it up and then switch the rep range to like eight to 12 rep range. And once you've done that, four to six weeks, switch it up to like 12 to 30 reps, right? Generally. Really depends on the person. But a lot of the times, a lot of people stay within one rep range, that they'll do like the 10 rep range. Whatever rep range you're not doing is the one that you're generally going to get a better response from. So, you got to understand that, right? You got to understand that you got to be switching that up uh, because the body loves novelty. But more importantly, you know, with a plateau, it's like, what are you doing with nutrition as well? Um, A lot of people kind of stay on, like, they just eat the same thing or they stay on the same calories or they don't really, they're too afraid to increase calories to get a response from the body, for example, to get a muscle building response. So, if you've been stuck at the same calories for a while or you're just guessing with nutrition, you're going to have to dial that in and probably increase your calories if the goal is to build muscle. When it comes to hitting a fat loss uh, plateau, for example, then that's, there's going to be loads of variables in that. To be honest, but you know, ultimately the same principle normally applies, right? If you've been in a calorie deficit for like longer than four, say four to eight weeks, a lot of the times you are going to plateau. So that's why you should be bumping your calories up for like a week or two, um, to basically uh, to, to to throw a curveball and to speed your metabolism up, and then you know you'll notice your body respond when you bump those calories up, and it gives you a break psychologically as well, right? So really there's many different answers I can give you. It's quite a broad question. How do I get through a training plateau? Number one, make sure you're training properly and you're adding volume with your training. So you're adding more reps or weights each week. Number two, make sure you're switching the stimulus, right? You're better off focusing on rather than switching the rep ranges every every session. You're better off following a proper program where you're doing like, let's say a low rep range for four to six weeks, then a mid rep range, eight to 12 reps, and then 12 to 30 reps, for example, for, for like four to six weeks. So you're switching that up regular. And you know when you feel like your body has stopped responding and you've hit your peak with that training phase, that could be three weeks for some people, switch it up and go to another rep range. Um, so yeah, but follow a proper training program and make sure it's geared towards the results you want. And that's going to stop you from hitting, hitting a plateau. Um, yeah. And then when it comes to fat loss, as I say, if you're in a calorie deficit non-stop and your body, you stop losing fat, bump your calories up to maintenance or maybe even a surplus for a week or maybe two weeks, and then you'll notice generally providing you're doing it right with your training and you're hitting high protein, boom, you're going to notice that you lose some uh, you lose some body fat and your body responds. So this, that's the simplest way to answer that question. But then another thing is going to be stress and sleep, right? So are you optimizing your sleep and getting good sleep? And are you managing your stress or are you applying too much stress to your body? And therefore, you're just not going to get a response in the gym. If you've got loads of stress coming in life, you know, with your professional life, with your personal life, whatever that is. You're moving house, for example, and then you're pushing in the gym as well and expecting your body to respond. You've got another thing coming, my friends. You've got another thing coming, right? So people in the chat box here, can you flex? I would do, but I can't really see anything here, man. You're not going to be able to see shit. So uh, I'm not going to be able to flex properly because it's pitch black in here. Um, So yeah, anyway, so that's the best ways to kind of uh, break through a plateau. Uh, But ultimately, it's quite a broad question and it really does depend. The answer is always going to be it depends. They're the most common ways to break through. All right, cool. By the way, if anyone's got any good questions whilst you're here, then fire away, put it into the chat box and I'll see if I can get to it, but I've got a few to get through here. Um, So normally with these podcasts, I just talk about one thing, but I'm going to talk about a few things here anyway. So uh, the other thing then, my friends, is uh, a girl called Sarah messaged me about the carnivore diet. And she said, uh, is the carnivore diet good for sustainable weight loss? And the answer to that, my friends, is it depends as always, right? And with diets, you know, because I eat animal based carnivore ish, if you like, a lot of people, you know, they ask me, they say, you know, so that they all want to do it basically because they see I'm in fantastic shape. And a lot of people are like, you know, let me, I, I need to, I need to do this. It's like, it doesn't work like that. Right. So is the carnival good, carnival diet good for sustainable weight loss? If you can stick to it and you can adhere to eating, Like for me, I I love it because, you know, I I ate loads of whole foods anyway before this, before switching to carnivore-ish. I don't eat full carnivore. That's why I say carnivore-ish. But I love eating steak. I love fruits. You know what I mean? Um, And I love those foods. I love eating my eggs and stuff like that. I love all those foods. I enjoy it. Uh, It's whole foods and I can stick to it, right? Which means I can get good results. Uh, When it comes to the average person, I would say it depends on what you're doing now, basically, right? So I wouldn't recommend anyone to go straight to a carnivore diet. The average person, you need to focus on your relationship with food first, and you need to focus on eating good quality foods, as I always say, single ingredient foods, right? Primarily, uh, that's what you need to be focusing on rather than those ultra processed foods, which are basically you know, designed to make you eat the fuck out of them, right? So uh, yeah, so basically it really depends And what is good about the carnivore diet, though, or the animal based diet is, you know, it's super high in protein because you're eating a lot of meat. You know, you're going to get most of the nutrients you need if you do it right, because most of the nutrients we need are found within animal based foods, whether you like it or not, especially bioavailable nutrients that your body can actually break down. Like, for example, beef liver, um, you know, grass fed beef, uh, eggs, especially egg yolks. You know, those kind of foods are the highest in nutrient density. So, you know, you're going to get a lot of nutrients. And then also it's hard to overeat when you're having high protein. Um, so yeah, but it goes any way of eating though, like everyone's different. The bottom line is the average person is not going to be able to stick to a carnivore diet for the rest of their life. Uh, so I guess the simple answer to this question is probably uh, no for sustainable weight loss. Um, you need to find what you uh, a way of eating which feels the easiest. That's all it comes down to my friends when it comes to sustainable weight loss. First and foremost, you have to be in a position to eat. Uh, to eat. You have to be in a position to lose weight Like some of my clients will tell you, Kerry, for example, who's actually on the call now. um, You know, we have to build the foundation first. We have to get the metabolism developed, uh, get stronger, build muscle, uh, and get you into a place where you're in a position to lose weight and keep it off. And to do that, it really depends on where you're at. And you've got to work on the behaviors first and cleaning up your relationship with food before you focus on losing a bunch of weight, in my opinion. You can lose a bit of weight. For example, using Kerry as an example, she's lost like 20 pounds. Uh, but now we're going for a period of um, a basically reverse dieting, so we can we can get her metabolism to to do all of the work for her and burn most of the calories automatically. So short answer to that question: Carnivore diet is it good for sustainable weight loss? Really depends. Uh, it's not going to work for everyone, but you know if you find it easy to stick to, then yes, it's going to be good for sustainable weight loss because adherence is key. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, feels a bit weird to be honest doing a podcast and an Instagram live. I'm not going to lie, uh, but you know what I mean? I've got to get out of my comfort zone and do this shit, especially with these Elton John glasses on and the selfie light on my face. Um, anyway, so basically the next question then from the audience was uh, a, a lad called Simon. He said, uh, I've been doing intermittent fasting for, uh, I've been doing the intermittent fasting for a year. I've lost 25 pounds. I would like to start doing uh, longer fasts because I feel better. Uh, could I go to a 24-hour fast? I've been doing 16 so that's basically what I do. So I don't eat any food in the mornings, right? And I basically eat within like a six to eight hour window. So like today, for example, I broke my fast at 2 p.m., a little bit later than usual. I had a meal at 2 p.m., then I had another meal at 6 p.m., right? So that, that was actually a smaller window today. So I ate within a four-hour window today, right? So that's 20 hours of no food. For, normally, it's about six-hour window that I'll eat. So I'll have my first meal at 12. Last one, around about six, just using me as an example, um and basically it works for me. And as as you, Simon, for yourself, you said you've been doing it for how long? Uh for a year and you lost 25 pounds and you said you feel better on it. Fantastic. It's working for you. So uh anyway, as I was saying, long story short, um go into a 24 hour fast. Like for me, you know, I don't really do 24 hour fast that often. I do it maybe once every couple of weeks. I'll just like have one meal a day or whatever. This week I had like three days where I had one meal a day, uh, but that's because it works better for me and I had some gut issues and stuff. But basically, you know, you should maybe try it. But if you're only doing 16 hours now, perhaps you should try If you're not eating for 16 hours, you know, uh, perhaps you should try just dragging it out for a couple of hours. So perhaps you should try 18 to 20 hours first. So let's say you break your fast at midday. How about you try breaking your fast at like 2 p.m., for example, right? Um, Or if you cut your food off early, if you cut your food off at like 6 p.m., how about you cut your food off at 4 p.m. instead? So you just maybe drag it out by two hours rather than going from, you know, 16 hours of no eating, straight to like a 24 hour fast, see how you feel. Maybe it wouldn't hurt you to try a 24 hour fast though and see how you feel when you're doing it. Uh, you know, if you don't feel good, then obviously you might want to bring some food back in. So it comes down to trial and error. So I would just extend the fast to two hours, see how you feel. If you feel good, then perhaps the next week you can extend it for another two hours and kind of build up to a 24 hour fast. Um, but you did say weight loss, Simon, right? So I really uh, don't recommend intermittent fasting for weight loss. You know, you've lost 25 pounds. Well done. That's awesome, by the way. Uh, but that's just a side effect, right? That's just a side effect and a byproduct of you eating less calories, basically, right? Because you're eating in a smaller window. Uh, perhaps you just don't get as many cravings. I don't know the ins and outs, uh, but obviously you're eating less calories, right? Because you've lost weight. So it's actually harder to... If you, It sounds like you're probably eating good food quality as well to lose all of that weight. And basically, you know, that's the key thing. So you're probably just eating less calories because you've got less time to eat the calories, right? It's not rocket science a lot of the time. People, you know, rave about intermittent fasting and uh, time-restricted eating, and it's fantastic for health benefits, right? Uh, but when it comes to weight loss, it's not rocket science. A lot of the time people just, they find it hard to eat as many calories in that small window, you know what I mean? So it's it's, it's not rocket science, but yeah. So to answer your question, Increase the fast by about two hours. So instead of breaking your fast, let's say a midday, maybe break your fast at 2 p.m., see how you feel, and then try and build up over a few weeks to just doing a one-day, 24-hour fast. Um, But if you're doing it for weight loss, I wouldn't recommend looking at it for weight loss. I wouldn't recommend dragging the fast out and doing longer fast to lose weight, if that's what your goal is, because you haven't mentioned the goal. Um, But if you feel good doing it, and it's more convenient for you to just have one meal, maybe one day, then have a 24-hour fast, have one meal, because that's what i found found. You know, I don't generally get that hungry anyway, so I can just push through and then I can get more work done because I'm only having one meal. Don't have to, you know, cook another meal or whatever and eat another meal and go for my walk and shit. So it's just more convenient, really. Um, so, yeah, hope that answers that question. And uh, as I say, if you do have any questions whilst you're here on live, uh, feel free to to drop something in there. And if it's a, if it's a good question for the podcast, I'll answer it. Um, but if it's asking me to flex, then, uh, that's not going to be an appropriate question, right? <laughs> uh, all good. All right. So what else have we got here now? Um, yeah. So someone asked about, uh, glutes, uh, a female, uh, obviously a female dropped me a message. She said, my glutes won't grow help. That was her question. All right, cool. So to develop your glutes, right? Let's be honest, right? Everyone wants all, all ladies want big glutes, right? And I'm going to be fully honest, fully transparent here. It's all about the glutes, right? I mean, when it comes to attraction, I'm just going to be, you know, straight up with you. You know, I'm a glutes man, right? And having well developed, having a well developed bum is very important to me, right? In terms of attraction, I'm just going to be honest, right? And uh, there's no wonder why lots of girls want to develop their glutes more. I think it's a good thing, by the way, right? Because um, women are lifting heavy weights now to try and develop muscles, which I think is fantastic. Um, but anyway, how do you develop your glutes? Uh, obviously it always comes down to, it depends what you're doing now and what you've been trying. Uh, but long story short, the first thing is having a good connection to your glutes. So I I used to see this as a problem for a lot of people is like, they didn't have a good uh, connection. They weren't actually, technique wasn't good in terms of, in terms of activating the glutes. So basically, you know, you want to be making sure that you're, let's say before you do squats, for example, you want to make sure you're priming your body, maybe doing hip mobility movements. And then, you know, doing maybe, for example, some banded hip thrusts. So, you know, lying on your back, putting the mini bands, those little small bands around your knees. So you're activating the glute medius and then you're doing some, you know, some, some floor bridges, right? So you're activating the glutes and you're, you're basically activating the glutes and, and switching on the nervous system. So then the glutes are activated. And then when you squat, you know you're going to get more activation with your glutes, and therefore you're generally going to get more development. Um, so, so really activating the glutes before you lift is really really important, um, and having a good connection. So, practicing the technique, for example, you know when you're doing like what I see a lot of people doing, especially when they're squatting females, you know the squat form is not good enough, so they're overworking quads, they're quad dominant, and they're not getting the glute activation. So, a good way to fix that is to simply do uh, instead of doing normal squats, practice doing bench squats, so actually squatting down to the bench you know, with a bar on your back, sit on the bench for a couple of seconds uh, and then stand up and flex your glutes when you stand up. Because when you sit on the bench and you pause, like I don't mean sit there and relax. I mean, sit there for a second or two, right? Keeping the core engaged. When you stand up then from like a, a bench where you you know your legs are 90 degrees, you're forced to activate your glutes. So many people, you know, eight out of 10 people can't squat with perfect form, like period. So you know, squats are one of the best things, obviously, for glute development, really. You can't beat squats. Squats is the king of all exercises. So doing bench squats, my friend, I guarantee you, if you do slow bench squats and when you stand up, you flex your glutes for like three seconds, um, or maybe even five seconds, flex hard like your life depends on it. Um, A, you're gonna start getting a better connection to your glutes because you're getting more tension in them. And B, um, you're just gonna you're just gonna basically work them more, right? By by extending your hips when you stand up. Um Obviously, then you know, good old hip thrusts are fantastic for glute development. So when you're doing hip thrusts, are you doing them properly? Um, you know, a lot I see a lot of women, and it's impressive, and and Janine included here, right? And I know my, my girlfriend was here. I don't know if she's still here now. She probably got bored and left. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what's it called? She uh, she does like 140k hip thrusts or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like it would be embarrassing if I tried doing hip thrust next to it. You know what I mean? Um, and she does them with, with with pretty good form, to be fair. But you see loads of women doing loads of weight. But they're not really focusing on form enough. So, they're, yes, they're thrusting the weight up, but it's too fast. They're not flexing their glutes on the extension for long enough. They're just going up and down and just bumping up and down and just really putting a bit more uh, stress on the lower back and and stuff like that and foot positioning, all those kind of things. What I would do, though, is go to my YouTube channel and just just check out my YouTube channel. Uh, type in hip thrust and type in any exercise you're going to get. You're going to get the, the technique there. Uh, but, cut a long story short, you want to be activating your glutes properly. You want to be focusing on form first and foremost. And then you want to stop fucking around. Excuse the French. Oh, Janini's still here. She hasn't fell asleep yet. Uh, you want to stop fucking around and doing all of these bloody um fancy shit that you see online. You know, you see a lot of the female influencers doing some of the, the band stuff and the kickbacks. And again, using Janine as an example, right? She's got fantastic glutes. I'm just gonna call her out. Um, she uh she does do some of this stuff, she does do some of the um some of the hip extension stuff, you know, tying the tying the thing around her ankle on the cable machine, and she's gonna get benefits from it, but that's only because. She does the heavy lifting, right? She does the deadlifts, or she's getting back into deadlifts now, deadlifts, lunges, squats. So you always want to focus on those things with the glutes. You want to focus on doing your heavy squats, you know, uh, back squats with the bar on your back. If you lower the bar down a bit lower on your back, on your shoulders, instead of having it high up on your neck, you're going to get more glute activation. Also, an underrated exercise for hamstring and glutes is good mornings, you know, when you've got the bar on your back and you hinge hinging from your hips. Uh, doing deadlifts properly. And now what's really underrated for glutes and I don't see enough people doing this properly is uh, sumo deadlifts. So doing sumo deadlifts is one of the best things for your glutes. So wide stance deadlifts. um, And when you stand up again, this is a simple trick for you ladies and guys. When you stand up, for example, on a deadlift, like flex your glutes for like three to five seconds. Like your life depends on it, right? So you want to go lighter with the weight. Of course, you're not going to be going that heavy when you're doing this. Go for say six to eight reps and flex your glutes when you stand up for like three to five seconds, right? guarantee you're going to get some development there and you're going to get a better connection to your glutes because you're it's, it's an isometric contraction right which which works same goes with squats when you've got a bar on your back when you stand up take the weight down lower than you usually would say six to eight reps when you stand up flex your glutes or six to ten reps flex your glute for three to five seconds uh reverse lunges are underrated as well so doing uh you know two dumbbells in your hands and stepping behind you reverse lunges are underrated for uh for glutes and walking lunges so ultimately squats deadlifts especially uh sumo deadlifts hip thrusts, and then lunge variations, right? Walking lunges, reverse lunges. But one of the most important things is having a good connection to your glutes. And you've got to work on technique to do that. And you've got to prime your body before you lift weights. Hope that was helpful. Um, So while we got here now, Uh, we had a question there. It was a good question, actually, off Marina, uh, someone who I know on my Instagram. And basically, uh, importance of carbs on training days. That's actually a good question. I have one more question here. Let me just double check. Okay, I'll do that one at the end, and then we're going to wrap it up anyway. I might leave it open a little bit just for uh, maybe qu- another question. So we got a little bit of time. Um, but basically, uh, what's the importance of having carbs on training days? So, you know, it can help perf- uh, performance, to be honest, and it really depends on the type of training you're doing and your body type and everything else. So everyone's different, of course. But what I would say, Marina, all in all, is it's going to aid performance, and uh, it does make you slightly more anabolic as well. Uh, research shows that uh, it can put you into more of an anabolic state. In other words, into more of a muscle-building state, uh, providing you have an adequate protein, you're hitting enough protein. If you eat uh, you know, more carbohydrates on training days, for example, then basically it's going to put you into more of an anabolic state. It's kind of splitting hairs, so though. It doesn't make that much difference, to be honest, in the grand scheme of things when you're having, when calories and protein are equated for. Fats and carbs don't make that much difference, but Marina, I know you're at a good level yourself. You're in an advanced level, so for you, I think it would make a difference, and you're lean as well. So basically, um, for you, it's going to really help performance, and I think it would have a good uh, muscle building effect. You're going to get more energy as well, uh, and it kind of throws a curveball for your metabolism as well. So when you when you when you, what she's talking about basically as well is carb cycling. So that is basically when you have, you know, higher carbs on training days, for example, and then lower carbs and maybe higher fats on the non-training days, right? Or rest days. And basically it's a um, uh, carb cycling promotes metabolic flexibility. In other words, uh, it throws a curveball to your metabolism. And that means you can get more of a muscle building response and it can actually just charge your metabolism up uh, and, and, and supercharge your metabolism a little bit more. But again, all of that kind of stuff Splitting hair, splitting hairs. I would say for someone like you, Marina, who's at advanced level, it's going to help. You're going to notice a difference in performance. You're probably going to feel stronger in the, in the gym, especially if you backload. I find if you, if you backload the night before with carbs, in other words, you have a high carb meal the night before and you train the night. I think you train first thing in the morning, right, Marina? So you train first thing in the mornings, if I remember rightly, got a good memory. Hope I got that right. Maybe got it wrong, but who cares? Then you train in the morning. You're going to have more energy when you train, so backloading works really, really well because you're going to, you know, uh, bump your glycogen levels up, which is basically your, you know, sugar levels in the body for training the next morning. So you're probably going to get better performance. And then if you um, have carb, it doesn't really matter. Like having carbs after training as well can help, but as long as you get the carbs in throughout the day, it doesn't make much difference. Again, it's splitting hairs. Some research shows that if you have carbs straight after training, it makes a big difference. Anabolic splitting hairs doesn't really make it. I've tried and tested it with lots of clients. Uh, and you know, I don't have any carbs after training. I just have it in the evenings on my training days. Um, so yeah, a, it's going to help generally going to help performance. B if you're cycling, so you're having like less carbs in the days in between and more fats, you know, cycling your, 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 calories and your carbs can be good for metabolism, promotes uh, metabolic flexibility. Um, and then C really, it's just kind of personal preference. It really depends on how you feel and everything else. Um, so I hope that answers that question. Let me know if that was clear. I know it was kind of long winded. Uh, if you've got anything else on that, Marina, because I think that's a good question for my uh, my podcast audience as well, actually, because I don't really talk about fats and carbs that much. Uh, one more question here now before we wrap it up. And um, basically, I can't see shit with this selfie light. Uh, you say about cardio not being good for fat loss. Uh, please explain. So basically, a lot of people think I'm anti-cardio, uh, and I'm not really. Cardio can actually be fantastic for your fitness levels. And I think research shows this now, it can be better for strength training because it builds your, your lung capacity up and your cardio respiratory system because you get fitter essentially when you lift weights then. Um, you, you can lift more. You, you've got more stamina and it carries over into strength. So it can really help with performance with the strength training as well. So you can have that, you know all the benefits that come with lifting heavier and getting stronger, building muscle, all that kind of stuff. So doing cardio, as long as you're not overdoing it, can be beneficial for weight training first and foremost and for uh, building muscle. But when it comes to fat loss, if I just cut to the chase here... Weights versus cardio. Ultimately, you know, it's just—it's not good for fat loss. Cardio. Long story short, it's just not good. Uh, recent studies showed this as well. They had three groups, and they, they had one group having uh, uh, basically focusing on diets, strength training, and cardio. They had one group. Uh, it was—it was cardio, diets, and strength training, and then one group was just strength training and diet. And they—they—they they, they monitored everything, and basically, the group who who are uh, uh, focusing on just strength training and diet. Over, I can't remember what period it was, they lost more weight basically and lost more body fat uh, because basically high protein and nutrition and then regular movement throughout the day, like doing a certain amount of steps and just not sitting on your ass all day are the most important things for fat loss, right? Especially long-term. So cardio, basically, the reason why cardio is not a good idea for sustainable fat loss, if you did a bunch of cardio now, would you lose a bit of weight? If you you weren't doing any cardio, you kept everything the same and you started running on the treadmill every day, of course, you're going to lose some weight, but- The second you stop doing all of that running, because it's probably not going to be sustainable, you're going to likely gain all that body fat back. And when you're doing cardio regular uh, and you're doing, you know, like a lot of cardio, what happens is, you know, manually you're burning calories at the time. But unlike weight training, the beauty of weight training, which is, you know, I'm in the shape of my life now. I've been lifting weights for a long time. I'm pretty much shredded all year round, right? Don't do any cardio. Because I've been spending, I've spent like, you know, almost two decades now lifting weights. My diet's good. I eat really high protein and I do a decent amount of movement. I probably do about 11, 12K steps a day, right? I'm in phenomenal shape, but that's because I put the time and effort into lifting weights over a long period of time. So my body is automatically now burning so many calories that it's actually hard for me to eat enough food. That's the problem I have, right? Which is a fantastic problem to have. that's That's an extreme example. But when you lift weights, you know, your body, or it's basically an analogy I like to use is like, Uh, to have muscle on your body is going to cost your body a lot of calories, right? Because muscle tissue is expensive. It's expensive tissue. Therefore, it's going to cost your body a lot of calories, right? Basically, to keep that muscle on your body. That's a good analogy I like to use, right? So by adding more muscle to your body and just by having high protein and lifting weights, you are going to burn way more calories, right? So for example, give you an example here again. With cardio, you're manually burning calories, and over time, what happens is you, if you're overdoing cardio anyway, and you're doing mainly cardio, over time, your metabolism actually slows, starts slowing down. The metabolism, the body adapts and gets more efficient with burning calories. And then cut a long story short, uh, the metabolism actually slows down over time, right? Because it gets more efficient at burning calories manually. So the resting metabolic rate slows down. I know this is quite a lot to take in, but unlike weight training, the opposite happens. Your metabolism charges up, like mine is like turbocharged all the time now. And basically, you know, uh, your body just automatically burns more calories, right? So the difference between weights and cardio, for example, you could go to the gym, you could go on the treadmill for an hour, let's say, and then you're going to be basically, let's just say, I'm not very good at maths here, right? Help me out here. Give or take, you're going to be burning calories for about 5% of your day, right? If you go to the gym, for example, and you lift weights for like, say, 45 minutes, your metabolism is going to be elevated for up to 24 to 48 hours afterwards, but it's going to hit its peak, let's just say 10 to 12 hours after, where it's like, Uh, basically charged up, your metabolism is right. And you're in that protein synthesis state. So your body's burning more, let's say 12 hours, your body's burning more calories for 50% of the day, right? Just by you lifting weights for say 45 minutes. Cardio for an hour in the gym, you're only burning calories at the time, not afterwards. So you're burning calories for about 5% of your day. So you see, when you do the maths here, if you're lifting weights every day, you're constantly sending that signal. Your metabolism is constantly elevated, right? Uh, Whereas cardio, you're just going to burn more calories at the time. Um, and then, you know, you're not going to get that, that after effect, um, but it's the whole pursuit of building muscle. They're still figuring this out with studies in terms of metabolism and stuff. It's the whole pursuit of building muscle, eating more protein, burns more calories, lifting weights, burns more calories, right? Simple as that really. So hope that made sense. I know that was kind of long-winded. Uh, cardio is a great tool to use, um, you know, and it's going to be great for fitness and everything else. It might be good for a tool to use if you're going on a holiday. Let's just say, for example, like I, I would bring cardio in when I was doing a bodybuilding comp. I would never need to do it towards the end because I got really good with prep, with diet and movement and everything. But a few times when I wasn't where I wanted to be two, three weeks before stage, I would introduce a bit of cardio. So it can be a good, good tool to lose fat at the end of the line once you've exhausted everything else. Let's say you've got a holiday, for example, right? You could bring it in for like four weeks leading up to your holiday if you want to ramp things up. You see what I mean? But when it comes to long-term fat loss, terrible approach in comparison to lifting weights, focusing on food quality and hitting high protein, and then just doing regular movement. That's going to be the most important things, right? Um, So that's that really, right?